0: Welcome to the Willow Ridge Sermons Podcast. This is where you can find audio from Sunday morning messages and more. Make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss future episodes. And thanks for listening. Well, good morning. If you've got your Bibles, and I hope you do, I want to invite you to turn to Romans chapter eight. That's where we're going to be this morning. I also want to challenge you with something before we go into our uh, our time of, of our message. I want to encourage you as you leave today, and as you see all those wonderful little kids that came up here on the stage, I want you to tell them thank you. I want you to tell them uh, well done as they opened up our worship time and they led us in worship. Uh, one of the things my family likes to do is the Christmas movies at this Christmas time, this Christmas season. And I'll be honest with you, I think it was it was it was at Home Alone 2, where they stacked the kids up on risers, and there was that moment where the chaos happened and they fell, right? So I sat over there, it was like Lord, let them sing loud for you and let no one fall uh, this morning as we're having this time of worship together. They did such a good job. Uh, they're leaders working so hard with them and just so happy to have them be able to join us and, and, and lead us in, in worship. Um, Well, Let's go ahead and we're going to go forward into our message this morning. We're continuing on in our series on gifts of grace, of looking at the fact that Christmas season is that time of year where we get gifts and we we give gifts. It's this interaction that we have with one another. Yesterday, we got together at my in-law's house with Aaron's family. Uh, We gathered around. My my father-in-law cooked everybody a ribeye steak. I ate all of my ribeye steak. I ate the rest of my daughters and the rest of my wife's. It was a good day. I didn't feel well afterwards, but I felt great during it, you know? And that's when you know you've had a good meal with that. And then at the end of that, before everybody left, we gathered around in the living room and we gave gifts. And my mother-in-law, she made the statement as she was sitting there on the couch as gifts were being given out. She said, I love this so much. And what she was talking about was not the fact that gifts were being given to her. She was talking about the excitement of what she gets to when she gets to look at her grandkids, when she gets to look at her kids, uh, her her son-in-law and her daughter-in-law open up the gifts. And and let's be honest, and I'd say this was my father-in-law sitting here, like he had no clue what any of us were getting, right? Right, and all you dads or some of you are like, Yep, I get that. And she had that of the joy and of the excitement of getting us to 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 watch or to watch us open gifts. And so this season is not solely about that, about gifts. But it is about the, the the greatest gift, the gift of Christ. And that's what we've been what we've been looking at. We look at John 3, 16 through 17. It's kind of been our, our theme for God so loved the world that he gave his, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so we talked about, and we're, and we're gonna look just Cats out of the bag, all right? Like next Sunday as we gather for Christmas Eve, it's all just in the gift of Jesus and who he is and what we do with that. But what we've been looking at is through the grace that God gives us. He, he gives us gifts through our relationship, through, through the saving grace that we have in Christ. And so we talked about that, that we've been forgiven. We've talked about the community that we've been invited into. We've talked about the abilities that God ha- has given us, but that in, in response to that, right, we're called to do something with it, to give those things away so we, we forgive we invest in others in community we, we give our abilities for, for, for the source and for the good and for the name of the kingdom and so that we can look at what we do whether it's at work at a Christmas party or, or gathered with our family and the giving and the receiving of gifts and we can connect them to the gospel uh, of what we're called to do and what, what we're called to be Th- this morning though is a little different it's a little different, and then and I had a conversation last week that that sparked this. One of our one of our prayer encouragers. Um If you don't know, we offer prayer encouragers at at the end of the service on either side of our auditorium and they're there if you wanna talk to someone about a relationship with Christ. But they're also there if you just came in this morning and and you're going through something, you've got a burden, you need somebody to to pray for you and and, and they're there for for that as well. And and this this particular prayer encourager, um, she said, you know, I I just wish people would use us more. She said, "I, I know people come in and they're hurting I know people come in here and they're struggling and they feel like they're all alone. And I wish they would come as they suffer so we can, we can pray for them. And in that moment, God began to kind of work honestly in, in, in my heart and, and in my life and, and evaluating certain things for me and kind of led to, to, to where we're gonna be this morning. So this, this morning we're gonna talk about it, is the gift of suffering. The gift of suffering because I wanna echo kind of her, what she was saying in that moment is this time of year is really, really good. But this time of year can also be really, really hard. There's certain points and times and seasons of the year that seem to carry this, this, this joy and excitement more so than other, but then they also carry with it some, some of the difficulties, we're reminded of the, the pain and the suffering and, and the things that we face. Growing up in, in my house, I've shared this before, um, and, and I'll share it probably almost every time this year. The, the two days where, where you would kind of experience the, this opposite of feelings um, was Mother's Day in my house growing up and, and Christmas. And watching my mom process her, her range of, of emotions That she experienced having lost her mom when when my when my mom was was 15 years old. And so every Mother's Day was was hard. Every every Christmas was 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 difficult because it's that 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 piece of there's the joy and all that that's there, but there's the 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 piece of her mom that, that she misses. And I know that so many of us feel that as well for different reasons and different circumstances so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at at this gift of suffering that christ suffered for us but that you and i we are going to suffer as well but that from that that suffering that the gift that we can draw from that is this it's not suffering is not pointless suffering is not useless that that suffering comes with purpose And because suffering comes from with a purpose and from purpose there's there's room to celebrate so so first Peter 318 for Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit so what we see here is Christ suffered God God gave his son and in the giving of his son, what we decorate in our house with the nativity scenes, what we talk about this baby that is born, what is going to happen is it's a journey to the cross of suffering. The, The journey of pain that he'll endure, the hardships that he'll face and he came to to suffer for a reason, for the sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. All right? So we, we, we sin, we sin. And God gives wrath and punishment to sin. God cannot ignore sin, so he sends Christ. So Christ suffered for us. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are what? We are healed. The wonderful, sacrificial story of Christ. What he got is what we deserved. He got our punishment, and what we received was his peace and his healing in the suffering that he's done for us. The beauty and the hope of the gospel, right? But with that, with that, that's the part we like. But, but with that, and, and we're gonna look at several instances w- within this, that, that Christ calls us to suffering. Christ calls us to suffering. He, he says in Matthew 16, 23, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and, and follow me. Jesus also says this, by the way, in in Matthew 10, Mark 8, Luke 9, and Luke 14. This wasn't a one and done. This wasn't an aside conversation. This is the continual. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 3, share in the suffering as a good soldier for Christ. 2 Timothy 4, or 5, as for you, always be sober-minded. Do what? Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Philippians 1, 29, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, we, we want to put a period there, but also suffer for his namesake. Suffer for his sake. You see, the call to the gospel and the fullness of it that that you and I have to embrace in our life, and we're gonna feel the weight of this in Romans eight here in just a minute, is that yes, Jesus came and suffered for us, the righteous for the unrighteous, but that in that there's a calling, there's a promise that we will suffer. Jesus doesn't say that we could suffer. Jesus says, expect it because you will. Don't let it be the rotten surprise that you weren't expecting. Expect it, because you will. And so my, my plea for us today is, is to answer the question, why should we, we're talking about this as a gift, why should we embrace suffering? I'm not asking how do we go out there and create ourselves into a situation where we're forcing ourselves to become a martyr. I'm not saying that you and I should go out and look for people to beat us up and to tear us down. But I'm saying that when suffering comes and we could go around here and yes and amen, we've all suffered. How should we in that moment embrace this and what I would argue with you this morning is because we need it. We need suffering in our lives. Stop viewing suffering as the punishment you deserve. Jesus took that. And start looking at suffering as the refinement that we need. Romans eight fourteen through 16. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Let's hang out here for a minute, man. This is, this is some good, warm, encouraging verses that Paul gives us here in Romans 8 through 14 through 16. There's, there's tons of joy that just saturated within these words that in Christ, because he suffered and died in resurrection, we put our faith, our hope, and our trust in him, that you and I, that we are adopted into God's family. We are sons and daughters of God. This is who we are. We're brought in. We're brought into the family. The beautiful picture of like what I experienced yesterday brought into a family, God brings us into a greater, a larger, and eternal family. Whether you've been saved for a minute, or for a hundred years, sons and daughters of God. And that in this, God, God gives us his, his spirit that, that leads us. God doesn't say, go and figure it out. He said, Here, here's my spirit, My spirit's gonna live in you and he's going to lead you in this world that he's there. He's not the father that sends us off to college, off to work and says, figure it out. He gives us the spirit who leads us. And and, and Paul says the spirit in this, that's something the the spirit produces in us. He He says that there's no fear. The spirit produces in us a boldness, a boldness that says that God is my father. Right? There's, this, there's this boldness that we claim in the name of Christ that God is our, our father. This, this morning we were, um, in, in the study that I was leading, we were talking about um, Evolution and how we as Christians view that and the problems with evolution and all this. And, and, and as we, we wrapped up, it's just the remarkable uh, uh, feat for us to be able to know that, that, that God that created the heavens and the earth and the God that created all of this, right? <laughs> to borrow a line from Buddy the Elf. I know him, right? I know him. But more than that, more than that, the boldness that he is my father. That he is my father. Now, but verse 17, let's look at this. And if children, then heirs. Oh, we like that. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Reading and preparing for this week's message, I, I read a pastor, he preached on this message and, and, and he said this, that Romans eight seventeen is both spectacular and scary news. Spectacular and scary news. Spectacular, if you are a child of God, then you are an heir with Christ. He goes on to say, you have a hope beyond this life that makes the present pleasures look small and the present pains manageable. It's an invitation into this life with him, but that includes the suffering of this world. Verse 18, we're back at verse 17, just a second. but Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, all that you will face, all that you will encounter, all that you know," he says, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And Paul says that, that the inheritance is so much greater, and, and, and it is ours, and it is ours. But look back to verse 17. Look back to that last half. The part that for us seems so scary. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Provided we suffer with him. That's not what we wanna hear. That's not what many pastors preach. They say, well, come to Jesus, and all your suffering, all your pain, all the things of this world are just gone. What God has for you is more money, greater health, more privilege, more prosperity. But what God's word says is this, that we are heirs with him, provided we suffer with him. No suffering, no inheritance. So, what does it mean to suffer? Right, we just say we're done here, and, and, and it, it's, it's a message halfway preached and poorly preached. So, what does it mean to suffer? Later on in, in Romans 8, Paul goes to explain the sufferings as, as futility and the groanings of this world, and, and the groaning that he uses in, in comparison is to describe that, that, that the noise that, that a woman makes who's in labor. These these deep bellows of the spirit, of the pain that is being endured. But we all know in that moment what comes from the pain. And so we think of the sufferings of this world. We think of persecution. And, And some would argue that persecution is the only suffering that Christians face. And I just don't see that. Christians face calamity, they face disease, they face death, the two funerals recently, attacks, hardships, tribulations, and all of this is biblical suffering. All of this is because we live in a world that's broken from sin. All of this you have or you will face. The question is not, will you suffer? Yes, you will. The question becomes what happens to you and what happens in you when you suffer? What happens to you and what happens in you when, when you suffer? Turn a couple pages back to, to Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at verses, verses 3 through 5. Paul says, not only that, so what Paul's previously been talking about is about the peace we have with God through our faith and that we rejoice in that. So he connects these, he connects these. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. And then underline this, if if, if you're the person that does it, underline this in your Bible. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we embrace suffering. We embrace it. But why? Because our suffering produces something in us that we need. Endurance of faith. I think the most comforting thing I can share with you this morning, if you're going through a season of loss, pain, if you're going through a season of suffering is this, God doesn't waste your suffering. God works and moves and your suffering has purpose and your suffering has reason that is yes, painful, but beneficial. Oftentimes we can try to be super spiritual and act like the sufferings of this world don't hurt us, that they don't bother us, that we're strong enough in and of ourselves to get through it. But the reality is when we see Christ suffer, we see the pain that he goes through, we see the pain that he experiences, but we stand in the beauty that it's beneficial. And when you walk through seasons and times and periods of suffering, when they resurface month after month or year after year, what we can admit is that they're painful, but what we can cling to is they're beneficial. Here's what happens. One of these scenarios, you get diagnosed with cancer your spouse leaves you, you lose your job, your house catches on fire, people gossip about you, someone you love passes, the list goes on and on and on. And in these moments of suffering, seen it time and time again, you're gonna do one of two things. Unfortunately, what we see often is people that blame God, and run from him. The diagnosis is too bad. The loss is too great. The faith that we claimed probably wasn't faith to begin with and was founded on shallow. And the calamities of this world began to surface as the suffering endured and you blame God, and you run from Him. Or, or, you embrace God, and you worship Him through it. It's what Paul is describing here in Romans 5. Why do we rejoice in our suffering? Because knowing That suffering produces endurance, and this endurance, it produces character, and what comes from this is hope. It's hope. It's not defeat. It's hope. It's victory, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so endurance produces this godly character of faith. If you were to ask me, but who in your life is the greatest embodiment that you've ever seen in the character of faith in God. I'd say hands down, it's my granddad. His name Vernon Harbin Bradbury. My sister sent me a picture this past week of my granddad. My granddad, I'm going to guess at the time this picture was taken, is in his late 60s. And my sister is about six years old. And they're standing in in his kitchen, and he's down holding her hand, and she's smiling at the camera, and he's smiling at the camera. And she has this picture out on one of her tables and, and she sent me a copy of this picture and text message, but then with a message attached to it. And the message says this, her, her youngest daughter, her name's Darcy. And Darcy looks just like my sister at that age, right? They both wear glasses, same height, same hair. Like, like spit. She is a spitting image of her mother at five years old. Now let me remind you, this is a picture of my sister at five, In my granddad in his late 60s. My sister's daughter comes walking up with the picture to her mom and says, Mommy, is this you and Uncle Bo? (laughs) Now, if you're in your late 60s, there's nothing wrong being in your late 60s. I'm just not, you know? <laughs> but I, I think of him, I think of him. And, and I think of him as a man who went through the Great Depression, watched his family lose all that they had. I look at him and I think of a man who was joined the army and his first time that a man from Abbeville, South Carolina's boots touched foreign soil. It was on the invasion of d day as he stepped onto the beaches of Normandy. I think of a man who walked through the brutality of the, the Battle of the Bulge, where many died not only from bombs and bullets, but from the harshness of the weather. I think of a man who who came back and who married his young bride and who struggled to pay the bills and to provide for his family, who daily would come in with his hands eaten with arthritis, but couldn't complain as he was the mechanic that had to use them to make sure that his son, his two daughters, and his wife had food to eat. I think of a man who had his suit that he loved and that he wore every Sunday to church, not with a lot that's there. But I don't look at my grandfather and simply respect his life that he lived because of the suffering that he endured. I look at my grandfather and I respect him because of the life that he lived, the suffering that he endured, and through it all, the joy that he had for Christ. His nickname was preacher. He was a mechanic. He wasn't a preacher. The irony, me, his grandson, is the preacher. About five or six years before his death, I had the privilege of going away with him to a a, a gathering of his uh, regiment of men out of the the South Carolina Abbeville area that that he served with. We went up uh, to to somewhere in in Virginia where, where we gathered for about three days. I was his chauffeur for the week. Wonderful blessing to be able to sit down and and hear this this generation who encountered so many things that that you and I couldn't begin to imagine. And we could never growing up get a complete answer from my granddad why his name, all of his friends called him preacher. And I noticed that everybody there called him that, all of his army buddies did. And so we were sitting down one day and we were I was having a conversation with this gentleman um, who was on post one night with my with my grandfather um, and, and a plane um, was shot down and, and it crashed. And, and the plane, um, as it crashed, they, they ran from that because of the explosion that was going to happen and, and the plane exploded and part of the, the motor, um, my, my, my grandfather and this man, they, they fell down when the explosion happened and, and part of the, the motor landed squarely on the the small of his back, paralyzing him from the waist down. And he'd been talking about all the different things. And I said to him, I said, why do y'all call him preacher? He won't give us the clear answer. Could Could you share this with me? He started laughing. And he said, son, you know, sometimes guys in the army do things they're not supposed to do. We say things we're not supposed to say. We go places we're not supposed to go. But not your granddad. There was night after night after night that we would have the conversation that this could be our last. And in that what it seemed to do was deepen his love and his joy for God. This is what I think Paul's pointing us to. When we see those, they've lived through cancer, they've lived through the unfaithful spouse, they've lived through the lost job, they've lived through the house fire, through the gospel, through the loss of those they love, and through it all, they experienced the pain in the hurt, but they clung to Jesus. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be Glorified, And suffering's the gift that we don't want, that we didn't know that we needed. Suffering is the gift that's hard, that hurts. There's tears, there's frustration. But the big if is this, if, if and who we are, in the power of the Spirit within us, we cling, we cling, then we're, we're children. So I echo, I echo with what one of our prayer encouragers said. There's a lot of people in here right now facing the financial hurts, the relational hurts, the emotional hurts that go on year round but tend to surface more this time of year. My prayer for you as sons and daughters of God is this. Cling to them. Cling to them. The prayer, God, give us the faith to endure and give us the faith to hold on would you pray with me God we come to you this morning Lord. Lord we thank you we thank you for the work of Christ on the cross Lord, we thank you that not a one of us here is worthy of what Christ did but he came And he suffered and he died. The righteous for the unrighteous. That in him and in him alone, we can be healed. That in him and in him alone, we may have peace. In him and in him alone, we may have salvation. And so we thank you we thank you, Jesus, for the sufferings that you endure on our behalf. And God, we pray that as we face the pain and the hurt and the hardships of this world, Lord, that we would share in the sufferings. What would come from this, Lord, is an endurance, an endurance that would produce faith, an endurance that would produce hope. And at the end of the day, it doesn't just make us stronger people. At the end of the day, it strengthens us in who we are with you so that we cling, we cling, we cling. God, give us the faith to endure. Give us the faith to hold on to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. And be sure to check back next week for another episode. In the meantime, you can visit us at willowridgechurch.org or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.